We're podcasting from the Edwin Cardinal O'Brien Pastoral Center in Washington, D.C., home base for the Archdiocese for the Military Services. I'm Public Affairs Officer Taylor Henry. And today it is my pleasure to be talking to Franciscan Father Matthias Rendon of the U.S. Army. Welcome, Father. Thank you so much, Taylor. And Father, uh, it's a little unusual for a, a um, uh, an order priest, priest of an order, whether it be the Franciscans or Jesuits or whoever else, to be a uh, a chaplain in the U.S. military. How did you come about uh, discovering that this was your calling within a calling, so to speak? Well, I would um, beg to differ with you, Taylor, because I think that in religious life, our mission is to serve the needs of the church. And I would say that most people in religious life um, have that view of um, their their calling and so forth to serve the church where the needs are greatest. And I was invited into this ministry by my own local superior, the guardian of our Holy Land Monastery in Washington, D.C., who felt that because we didn't have any priests who were serving as chaplains, we really were not doing our share to take care of the Catholic people, who, of course, are so very uh, kind and generous to us and who support the Holy Land missions and so forth. So. Uh, I was invited into this ministry. And you've been in the Army now for how long? Well, in the Army since 2009. Almost 10 years. Yeah, that's right. And your rank is? Well, I'm a, I'm a captain. Yes, sir. And it seems, uh, I, I know just from a, a, a civilian outside looking in, uh, the idea of a Franciscan, you think of contemplative life, and mm-hmm. then the idea of uh, an army mm-hmm. chaplain, you're on the go all the mm-hmm. time. You know, that that's true. So I would say that we're contemplatives in action. And, and I, I would say that that's true for all priests, really and truly, because whether a priest is diocesan or religious, I would say that um, uh, his faith journey is, is, is founded on his own personal relationship with Jesus and so forth, his spirituality, which is a rock-solid sort of thing. And uh, he depends on that. Very interesting. Where have you served in your 10, 9 years in the Army? Well, since joining the Army, uh, my, my first permanent duty station was Fort Drum, New York, and, and uh, I was in garrison, and then I was uh, asked to uh, move over and take care of an EOD uh, bomb squad unit, and I deployed with them to Afghanistan. And uh, after that, um, I went to Korea for two years. After that, I went to Fort Gordon, Georgia for another two years, and now I'm at Fort Meade, Maryland. And uh, share with uh, share with me some of your experiences in the Army. Was it all it was cracked up to be when you went in? Oh, even more so. Um, <laughs> as a matter of fact, it's been, an, uh, I would call it an incredible journey, even uh, more wonderful than I ever imagined. And I would say this, the best year of my entire life was in Afghanistan uh, with my EOD unit. And I think it's... Um, Every pastor's dream, whether he's a Catholic or a Protestant or whatever faith background, to be needed in ministry. And uh, that's where I, I felt that I was needed the most and um, <clears throat> where I felt, um, let's say, uh, most like a priest in my entire life. And when were you in Afghanistan? Oh, um, it was uh, 2011 to 2012. And how so? How did you experience the need of the flock for your mm-hmm. services? Um, well, there are so few army chaplains who are priests. And uh, so I was in um, range control south, and uh, I would go out every day uh, making the rounds with my chaplain assistant. We would go out to different fobs and cobs and, and so forth, uh, 
uh, my unit was based out of Kandahar Airfield. So we would go on the Holy Hilo every day and go to a different uh, outpost and uh, take care of um, soldiers there. And uh, not only just Catholic soldiers, but also there were uh, naturally, um, you know, there were Marines, there were Navy personnel, Air Force personnel. And um, so uh, a lot of times people would um, approach me who wanted to see a chaplain. They didn't care whether I was Catholic or Protestant or whatever. They wanted to talk to somebody in confidence about uh, private spiritual matters and that sort of thing. And that's the one thing that distinguishes chaplains from any other officer in the service is that a member of the service can come to you and have total confidence. There's no chance that anything he tells you or he she tells you is going to get back to the brass. Absolutely. That is the uh, attorney-client privilege that we refer to as privilege communication. And um, I, I think that is um, very meaningful in, in terms of the ministry that we do. How is it? How important is it that the Army have someone in that role, a chaplain? Oh, I think it's essential because we many times we talk to people who um, have no faith background whatsoever, and uh, maybe they're searching for God in their life in, in some way, shape, or form, and they want to talk to someone who can be trusted, someone who will never repeat anything of, of what they're about to tell you, that sort of thing. So just someone who's going to listen. And, and, and possibly if, if they ask us, we give advice that or we, you know, we, we're, for uh, people of faith, naturally we pray with them, we read scripture together, that sort of thing, we talk things out. But I would say that the privileged communication is um, absolutely essential. And in that setting where their life is on the line, literally, I suppose thoughts of their own mortality come up, the uh, afterlife, uh, Consciousness of sin. You're right on target. Absolutely so. And I think that brings a lot of people to um, to think about God and to wonder and wonder out loud about a lot of things. And um, so they, they like to talk to chaplains about uh, the, the questions that they do have and uh, maybe their search for answers. But a lot of it is listening really and truly. Did you find it difficult to deal with the uh members of the service who belong to different denominations? Oh, not at all. As a matter of fact, I've, I've even, you know, I, I think that Catholics and Protestants, we have much more in common than those things that might separate us and so forth. And I, I always found people to be very respectful. I, I wouldn't say that, and I, I've talked to people of other faith backgrounds, uh, uh, people of Buddhist background, of, of uh, Jewish background, Islamic background, and so forth, even people who uh, identify as Wiccans and so forth trying to be helpful in any way that I can. We hear a lot nowadays about the secularization of the service that goes along with the secularization of the society as a whole that we see, that we've been seeing over a period of years now. In your nine years in the Army, have you seen increased secularization? Well, I would certainly have to agree with you because as Everyone knows the military is a microcosm of society. So the things that, um, the trends that are um, happening in society in general, we would see those in the military as well. That's very true. And so how does that express itself in the service? Well, I I would say this, that um, um, if we look at today's youngest service members, um, certain things are not uh, as important to them um, in, in terms of, 
putting faith into practice, maybe attending mass on Sundays, things like that, as uh, as they were to their parents, to their parents' generation. So there's a new outlook. Um, I, w- I would put it that way. It's not true for everyone, but I think there is a trend, and uh, we see in terms of who is participating in religious services and and events and so forth. Um, it's it's uh, many older people, many retirees are very very faithful and come to our military chapels and so forth. And um, it's often the case that um, I will uh, sit down and I'll talk with uh, a younger person, and I'll say somebody from the age of eighteen through their twenties and so forth, and um, they will identify as Catholic. And uh, as we're talking, they'll say to me, you know, Father, I'm Catholic. I just, I just have not been attending Mass on Sunday. That's really the first thing that they say. You don't know who I am, by the way. They'll give me their name and so forth, and, and then they'll say, I, I'm Catholic and so forth, and I'm stationed uh, at, well, Fort Meade, and, but you just don't see me at Mass on Sunday because it's not my thing. People might say something along those lines. Not my thing. You know, and how do you respond to that? Well, I say, welcome back. I, I say, you know, God loves you so much, and um, he's been waiting for you. He's very, very patient, and uh, I, I try to be positive about that. I never, um, you know, criticize anyone. I think they have their reasons, whatever those reasons might be, and um, I, I try to focus on the positives and uh, build on uh, the strength that someone shows, you know, that sort of thing. So uh, how old were you when you went into the Army? Oh, uh, goodness, um, I'm 58 years old now, so I was actually um, 49 when I went into the Army. <laughs> and your order your order of Franciscan priests and brothers are in charge of the Holy Land. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And uh, so tell me about that, your experience before your military mm-hmm. service. Did you spend any time in the Holy Land? Well, as a matter of fact, I gave 10 years of service in the Middle East missions, and um, uh, they were very good years. And um, it, it's something I think that every Christian person should try to do, visit the holy places. I'm a great believer in the power of a pilgrimage and how close that can bring us to God. You know, I got to go to the Holy Land in 2013 with Archbishop Brolio. Wow. And we only had six days. And it was a wonderful, wonderful pilgrimage. The only thing is I could have spent six weeks there. Mm-hmm. You know. I hear you. <laughs> so where where, where uh, in the Holy Land did you uh, serve? Well, I was in Jerusalem for five years, and then I was asked to go to Cairo, Egypt, to a Roman Catholic parish downtown called St. Joseph's. Uh, I was there for five years also. And uh, today there's a lot of persecution going on in Egypt against well, Christians. Uh, there certainly is. You know, Did you experience any of that when you were there? Well, you know, as a matter of fact, I uh, I didn't really experience that directly. Six um, percent of Egypt's population is Christian, and I found the Muslim people in Egypt to be very, I, of course, wear my religious habit everywhere, um, except when I'm in uniform and I'm on duty and so forth. But but uh, in the Holy Land, um, there was a lot of, of respect for uh, for the clergy and so forth, for religious, and uh, that was my own experience. You know, the thing uh, that struck me walking through the streets of Jerusalem is, how do they know where all this stuff took place? It seems like, uh, mm. you know, for example, the, uh, the, the Basilica of, uh, I mean, how, how do we know? Sepulchre, yes, the Holy Sepulchre, of course. Sepulchre, of course. Right? 
Well, we have a few different sources. We have um, what I would refer to as scientific knowledge. In other words, we have historians, we have archaeologists, uh, we have you know different subject matter experts who have done extensive research on um, scripture and um, you know the, the holy places and things like that. And and we also have the ancient tradition of the Christian community, which has always been present in the Holy Land and has always revered the holy places and so forth. And uh, so. I think we have a lot of very solid sources. There's not 100% agreement about everything, but um, I think being there will we'll certainly speak to, to everyone. And then the other thing that struck me was uh, being on the uh, Mount of Olives mm-hmm. and looking across the uh, mm-hmm. the valley is really the valley. The mm-hmm. Ki- what is the name of the valley? Kidron Valley. Kidron yeah. Valley yeah. is really a big gutter. Yeah, oh, it is. Uh, well, a big, yeah, big. Yeah, that, that's right. Yeah, uh, and and it has a hot, mm-hmm. big highway running through it now. Exactly. Uh, but anyhow, I don't want to get sidetracked yeah. with that. It just seems like those mm-hmm. uh, are two worlds apart: the U.S. military mm-hmm. and the Holy Land. Right. Did you have trouble? Um, well, you, you know adjusting? what? I think that um, sometimes in the church, Franciscans have a reputation as peacemakers and so forth. Saint Francis. Uh, you know, in his beautiful prayer for peace and and so forth. Lord, make me a uh, like make me a channel of your peace, make me an instrument of your peace, and so forth. Now, that is really the bottom line with our armed forces. They are peacekeepers, mm-hmm. and so for me, I could identify with that very easily. Wow! So interesting. Yeah. You know, uh, and what was your thought when uh, the new pope, uh, Fra- Pope Francis, took the name of Saint Francis? Well, I thought that was a good thing, naturally. I mean, I thought he was inspired to do so. And, um, um, you know, I, I couldn't say enough good things about it. I think the whole idea was that he wanted to make peace in the church. That was my understanding. And, and he wanted to uh, um, bring peace to the world. And um, so I think that's part of the whole idea. So how much longer in the army do you think? Oh, I don't know. I'd love to stay forever, but um, that I, that's a, a question mark. Well, you couldn't be too much longer because the mandatory retirement is 62, oh, right? amen, and there's a good reason for that. It's a young man's game in terms of the chaplaincy and the pastors of whatever faith background. You've got to keep up with the troops and all those sorts of things. And one good reason why we have 47 co-sponsored seminarians now coming through the program in hopes of becoming chaplains. A wonderful thing. I think we are really blessed, really blessed. Father Matthias Rendon, Mm -hmm. Franciscan priest and captain in the U.S. Army, currently stationed at Fort Meade. Thank you so much for stopping in to talk to me today. Thank you, Teller. God bless you. God bless everyone. Thank you.